Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. One final thing before we get into this week's episode, we have some more incredible patrons to thank. So, thank you so much to Jacob, Jeremy, Not the Brain, and Nigel. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for your support. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, Halflings! How are you doing today? I am Jasper William Cartwright, and with me today, as always, is the superfluous. You <laughs> can't be superfluous. It's there's only three of us. No oh wait, exactly. superfluous. I meant stupendous. I meant stupendous. I'm like, I beg your pardon. I just completely blanked on what that word meant. <laughs> <laughs> Are you oh, insulting wow. our guest in the first ten wow. seconds? Wow! <laughs> wow! It's in the name of the uh, show. She can't be the stu- the su- stupendous, the stupendous. Oh boy! Oh me? Okay, yeah, you. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, this is going so well. Um, Leandro, Natty, Lewis, Nyao, but everybody calls me superfluous, apparently. <laughs> oh, I'm never going to live this down. Uh, and, the, and the utterly irrelevant... <laughs> i got to dig in. i got to go for it, right? <laughs> Just lean into it. Insult us in a new way for every, in yeah, every future every, episode. Every episode, yeah. Oh, uh, uh, Jeremy, yes, Jer- <laughs> Jeremy Cobb. Uh, but my uncle Nigel calls me Little Man. Mm. Little Man, yeah, oh, I like that. That's lovely. Uh, and someone uh, we have a guest today who is neither superfluous nor irrelevant uh, <laughs> is the incredible star of uh, many a college humor video, uh, Dimension Twenty. Um, actually, recently with their own podcast, the incredible. Exactly, Arbor is here. Wow. Hello. You are not delicious. Well, let's listen to us talk about fat art in episode three. <laughs> let's make them even more black. Oh my god! Vandal in the broom. Lemming, lemming, teachable moment. Yeah. Full prince vibe. Ooh. Is this the wrong dungeon and the wrong dragon? Yeah. That's disgusting, and I love it. We're about to get into something real big now. Hi. It's funny that stupendous and superfluous, sometimes it's like, it sounds like stupendous almost sounds like stupid, and then mm. superfluous is like super, but they don't mean those. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. and you, I'm really glad that you understand why yeah. my dyslexic brain went, whoop, like, <laughs> you know, because I fully was like, yeah, superfluous. I would want to be superfluous. <laughs> nope. It sounds like you would, like based on the it word, sounds like it you sounds would. like a word you'd want to be. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> already English is running. It's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Supendous um, and superfluous. 
It's superfluous. Already my favorite guest for having run desperately to my aid. Thank you for joining us, Zach. Um, I'm here to help. <laughs> uh, if you could be on every week to defend me, that would be marvelous. Yeah, uh, just call me in and I can I can smooth the waters. Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you. Um, we're so excited to get to talk to you today. This has been one that all three of us have been like, oh, we get to talk to Zach. This is so cool. We get to talk to Zach. <laughs> um, so we wanted to start where we always start with uh, our, our guests, which is like a bit of an origin story, a bit of a how you fell in love with D&D. I got started with D&D because I I started working at College Humor many years ago, making sketches and st- doing all that kind of comedy stuff. And eventually, after working there for a few years, I think it was at Siobhan's birthday party, uh, <laughs> some who started doing UC, like UCB comedy kind of like improv sketch stuff in New York and you know moved to LA eventually so had friends from New York at that party that I had either moved or were moving or something and that's where I happened to just walk into like a group of people talking about D&D which included Siobhan, Emily Axford, Murph and Brennan you know uh just chatting away about D &D, and i was like hey what's this and uh they were talking about we should do a home game and i was very much like i want to play you know like and maybe rudely inserted myself into the conversation (laughs) hey welcome to three black conflicts it's what we did with this entire community we're like hey we're here (laughs) let me do it please let me be a part of this (laughs) and so that's how i was introduced to the idea of playing and then uh, our home game developed, which was just Brennan DMing for me, Emily, Siobhan, Murph, uh, and two other friends that are uh, our friend John Wolf, our friend Travis Helwig, who aren't in the Dimension 20 crew, but John Wolf was a producer at College Humor and an EP of Adam Ruins Everything, that TV show. And mm-hmm. Travis wrote for that show and was the head writer, I think, for a bit and now works at Crooked Media. Um, but they. Oh, yeah. uh, yeah, very fun, good friends that uh, are are fun to play D&D with. But from there, Brennan eventually was hired at College Humor as just a writer, uh, like the same job that I had. And then when they were developing stuff for Dropout, that's where Dimension 20 came. And uh, we just took most of that group and then included two other, you know, uh, Allie, who was a, a cast member at the time, and Lou, who was just you know in a lot of sketches and a fun, a good friend of uh, Brennan, and that's where yeah. that started. Yeah, that's so awesome. I feel like there's a version of like where any fan of D twenty, if they ever get their hands on like a time travel machine, they're gonna <laughs> find that room in that party. Like, <laughs> you know, like I feel like that's gonna be like the holy grail of rooms. Uh, you know, the room where it happens. That's awesome. A lot of uh, the stuff that you've done on College Humor has uh, to do with your ethnicity. And I was just really interested to be like, what's it? what have you found uh, your experience of being um, a POC and playing in like TTRPGs? Uh, do you often like code? We always have this conversation of like, do you often code characters um, uh, like to be specific to yourself or or not? And just mm-hmm. how, that, how that's been really. Yeah, I feel like... Uh... D&D is such a great um what I mean outlet for wanting to express yourself in that way right where there mm. where if you just like you know look at the stories and media of like movies or cool action movies or whatever where it's like huh there's there's some casting is always pretty limited to like when you look at the Avengers how many like 
white dudes named Chris are in there and, and like, <laughs> like, I don't know. What if there was someone who was just had a little bit more of a complex identity uh, mm. going into that, that related more to me. And so that's, that's like, yeah, always been very uh, intriguing about it. And also just uh, some of that like programming, I feel like is so ingrained that it's hard to, to even notice in yourself, like mm. when when we were doing Unsleeping City, mm-hmm. the first season of it, I think I've maybe said this on a different podcast, but I, uh, I, you know, like wanted to, my character to be like a firefighter paladin, and that's as far as I got. And I was like, oh wait, I could be Japanese, <laughs> like in my head, like it kind of defaulted to a white guy, uh, which yeah. sucks, and uh, and it's nice to be able to challenge yourself in that that kind of stuff. Um, because some of that stuff is uh, you feel a little brainwashed in some ways. Mm. Um, but outside of that, you know, like the, the, you know, fantasy high was, uh, you know, you're, you're doing with dealing with some more fantasy races and stuff, but that also like uh, can be a way to look at stuff like that. Where like uh, my character is an orc raised by uh, uh, gnomes and, and that <laughs> that's, there are parallels to the real world there, you know, like, <laughs> sometimes people are, you know, uh, are adopted, you know, and like aren't yeah. of the same race as, as their parents. And, and that can be challenging in different ways, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, I find it definitely a, a great place to, to explore that stuff. Yeah. Mm. I think it's uh it's kind of fascinating as well about what you said about defaulting to a, like a white guy. Like I Ugh, definitely feel yeah. like yeah. it's so easy. We always talk about it on the show about how ingrained some of these things are. Like we had a huge revelation. We spent like three episodes digging into Tolkien and and why so many of the things that are written in that book are really really unhelpful yeah. and just how a part of fantasy they, they, they are. You know, and so it's Ugh. so easy to then just be like, oh, why am I? why am I playing this? This is not me. This is just what, why am I trying to play Legolas? Like right. <laughs> I could be so much more interesting than Legolas. You know, I don't want to um, do an impression of Legolas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, that, yeah exactly. I, I was, I was thinking about talking uh, a while ago. I like tweeted something that was similar or just dealing with the same stuff in a, a slightly different angle that like, when you look at uh, a movie where they're like, well, they can't have two Japanese guys. That would be confusing or whatever, you know, like, mm. or, you know, when there's a million white people in the same movie, like if you just mm-hmm. look at the picture of the entire cast of dwarves in the Hobbit movies, <laughs> you're like, like so look how different yeah. all those. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. so it's so baffling. It's so yeah. baffling. But did you but did you see some of the casting announcements for the Lord of the Rings TV show? I haven't oh, yeah. actually. Diversity, 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 diversity. Yeah. It looks yeah. like it's yeah. mostly yeah. a POC cast, in fact. Yes, yeah. really. It's good. They're oh. fixing. Yeah. They're going. Oh, sorry, we fucked up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let's fix that. <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited. I'm That's super really excited awesome. That. That's cool. That's I didn't. Awesome. I hadn't checked that out yet. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm exactly the same. I, uh, I, as an actor, I remember once being told the reason, the main reason I wasn't going through to the next round of casting was because there was, uh, because. Uh, there was going to be another mixed race um, a character in the show, another mixed race lead, and they were worried that we would look like brother and sister. <laughs> I oh, was like, God. so annoying. Um, like, I mean, like that was the genuine, like legitimate, like, hey, we're really sorry you did a great job, but 
racist explanation. <laughs> like, that right. was honestly like, I was Come like, on. Oh, okay, yeah. we can do better than this. Yeah. Um, That's a big thing I, I find actually at British drama schools. I, I haven't really mm. been through the like American uh, acting training exactly, but the British drama schools, a lot of them, not every program, but a lot of them will seem to cast people just based on type. So like mm. you'll have like a baseline where everybody is roughly similar body types and complexions. And then you'll have like one big guy, one big girl, mm -hmm. uh, one or two people of color, like maybe mm -hmm. an Asian person, usually one or two black people, like one black man, one black woman, like maybe a second mm. one or a third person. Yeah, but really, maybe. Like, yeah. 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 But like they very much. And I think they're trying to break free of that nowadays. But that was something that I really noticed on a lot of at a lot of drama schools, not just the one that I went to, but the ones that I've seen. It mm -hmm. seems very common. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. the same, I think, in casting, where like we were just saying, yep. where it's mm. well, yeah, we know, no, it's okay. We we have our we have our Asian prison for this one. It's fine. We don't need yeah. to. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. I'll just see my I, I, I went to a diversity <laughs> talk at the Young Vic once, and this woman was talking about she was casting what was she casting? It was like a famous TV show um, set in Scotland, I think. And she said that they were looking for a young Chinese child actress um, in about 13, 14 to play one of the characters in the show. And she, she literally said, and I should you not. Um, so I decided like to get creative. So I went to Chinatown and asked around Ooh. at the restaurants Ooh. to see if I could find... Huh. Chinese oh, no. Now she's saying this with conviction on a panel at the Young Vic. My man Stephen Kavuma came in with the fire. I was like, that's a racist statement you just made. Yeah. Right here. Wow. You went, you went to wow. Chinatown. Wow. I got God. creative and went to Chinatown. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, boy. Wild. Ooh, boy. Okay. That is wild. Ooh. That is truly wild. Uh, <laughs> Zach, your face and that was the best. <laughs> huh? Just one more time for me. Can you imagine <laughs> like that's your restaurant and you, and someone comes in like. Excuse me. I'm assuming there's some Chinese children here. May I have them? Can I take yeah. one? <laughs> she said it with her chest, man. She said yeah. it with her whole Like she chest. was proud of this. And she was, she was proud. proud of this thing she Yo. had to say. Oh. Wow. Wow. Oof. Let's move on from that. Uh, Zach, I, I wanted to ask. Yeah, Zach, I wanted to ask. Um, you said that like when when you were creating the character of Ricky, like it, it occurred to you like, oh, yeah, he could be of Japanese descent. Was that like the first time that it, you had really thought to try and make a character who was like either Asian or coded Asian? Yeah, I mean, I I think it was the first time where I gave that more thought, you know, in my home game, I play a monk uh, that's a human monk. But I kind of, I mean, just when you're dealing, sometimes when you deal with fantasy fantasy races on top of real races, like it just like, just never occurred to me, like outside of him being human. Mm -hmm. uh, and so like, it just never really came up in my mind for, you know, for better or worse. That's, yeah, <laughs> uh, I, but I, bro, but, I was in yeah. the same boat. I was in the exact, yeah. like, that's why I wanted to ask. Cause like, literally, I think it was when I was watching um, one of the adventuring parties, uh uh where Lou mentioned that all of his characters were black and I was like oh dang 
I've never thought about making one of my characters black. black. They've yeah. just kind of exist because, like, like you said, you don't. You're like conditioned to not think like it's either default white or just general. This is just a person who exists, mm-hmm. and you don't. Yeah, mm. it is. It was. It mm. was only at that point that I started to think like, you know what? My next character is going to be black. Uh, right. And that, like it really changed my whole perspective. Well, Unsleeping City's uh, nice in that it's like, uh, you know, it's within New York, so it deals with uh, human beings in our world. Uh, so that that was like, yeah, it, it was sort of an epiphany. And also it's like nice to like look at the books and be like, oh, the representation of a paladin is, uh, a, I think it was like a black woman in, in the book. And so it's like, it was nice to like have... I think that's maybe the first time I ever thought about other races within, uh, you know, uh, the fantasy world as well. So it's like, uh, yeah, it, it was an epiphany, I think, for that season, which, mm. you know, makes me feel stupid in a lot of ways, but uh, <laughs> was also like nice to have. Yeah, it, it's really it's really funny, though, because um, uh, recently been listening to a bit of like Into the Motherlands. And as a part of that system, they specifically ask what culture you're. Uh, mm. character is from and i suddenly went like oh if you'd have asked me that when i first started playing D, i guarantee you i'd have thought to code my character as black do you mm. know what i mean because i feel like yeah. that's that feel for me feels like a more intrinsically um a unique question i guess rather than just like what race are you like what do you look like it's more yeah. about like no what are your like what are kind of like what are the things that inform your beliefs what are like the what where do you come from who are your people do you know what i mean i think that's totally. a very different uh question and like, I wonder whether, because it's about how we phrase those things, right? And I think that for you, it was phrased that, oh, you're in New York now, you're a human. So, mm-hmm. you know, you were like, oh, if I'm in New York and I'm a human, oh, I'm an Asian man in New York. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think yeah. that it's, it's suddenly, it's suddenly, someone phrases the question differently. But it's funny, though, because I felt exactly the same. I felt really stupid. I was like, oh, really? Like, oh, yeah, I can play a black character. Or, what, do you know what I mean? And it is that instinct of like, oh, I feel a bit like, how did I not think of that? But yeah, I think when it's like lacking the in the prompt, you just, it, yes. it's like, it, it takes it away from your, like, you know, from your it, mind in a weird way. It, yeah. it almost feels like, um, in terms of core D&D, like they're almost like black or Asian or whatever aren't a part of the lexicon of the game. So totally. it feels then weird to then actively introduce it. That's at least how I feel about it. I don't know how you feel. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it's just, it yeah, that makes sense. Not there, I guess. Um, uh, but actually, it, uh, talking about Ricky and, and some other characters, I was really interested just in your general approach to creating characters. Um, mm. I'm a big, big fan of Gorgug. It's one of, like, oh. <laughs> one of genuinely one of my favorite. Uh, the, I think the fan art, I think it's like episode one where he's just crouched in the really small bedroom with the gnome parents. <laughs> just, I just absolutely, it just, it's really, really funny. Um, and I, yeah, I love it. Uh, so we're just interested in like your general approach to creating characters. Is there like an idea that keys you in or or is it a race or a, a species or whatever you know what, what's the, what draws you in to start a character totally i i feel like there's a, a few ways to approach it for per, for me personally like for seasons of dimension 20 there have been times where it was like uh i don't have a strong idea going into this meeting where we're going to talk about i have some vague ideas uh, but, but when we're trying to figure out what our party is, like, I guess we kind of need a healer. Yeah, it seems like I'll, I could be a healer. Uh, what's a healer in this candy world? I guess it's sort of like a, pre, you know, and then like uh, looking through the source book, like, oh, this warlock, you know, like you, you can kind of like 
find a character from those limitations because sometimes like Mm. the blank canvas of like thinking of a character is really daunting so just when you put up those uh, walls it can be helpful um and and same Mm. with like even like sketch writing or whatever else you you know like if if you have a specific thing you're trying to write versus like write anything you know that that helps a lot (laughs) Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's like maybe how I, I, I found Lapan in that that season. But for Gorgug, I think we were just trying to think of like, since it was fantasy high, high school tropes, you know, to just going into like my personal like brain Rolodex of like people I knew growing up and people um, and just movies and stuff like, yeah, like a shy kid who like. Uh, is actually full of rage you know (laughs) like uh, that I I knew that kid in high school like wow that kid got in a weird fight that was that was crazy you know he he beat up that jock you know like Like he uh, knew how to fight like how did he know how to fight (laughs) it's kind of like the water boy if you've ever seen that movie Uh, (laughs) Um, um, so like yeah there there's like tropey flavors to find there and like yeah, you know, I feel like I've seen like orc barbarians that are, yeah, obviously full of rage and uh, like there's a bravado or confidence there that I that I thought was would be fun to flip. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah, I, you know. I, I, I think that's one of the things that makes uh, Gorgok such a fascinating character, though, because I remember uh, I think I hadn't twigged that he was a barbarian until you like deck someone on the playground (laughs) like it like it like like halfway through or something i was like oh and i was like that's really cool because i think that there's this real um uh pressure i think when you come up with a new character of like i've got to come up with something super original and Mm -hmm. um which is ridiculously hard to do if you're you know playing like fifth edition where there's only a finite amount of classes and species and etc and so suddenly to just see a character played in an entirely different way, I was like, oh, this is so, this opens up so many more avenues. Um, you know, oh, like characters you. that yeah. you can play if you're, uh, you know, just simply playing against type. You know what I mean? Like yeah. on, on purpose. And I thought it was really, really, uh, really, really interesting. Um, uh, and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, all, one of the things that I, I think, Jeremy, you'd actually mentioned it was uh, the Rotating Heroes podcast. Um, oh yeah this is uh a really really cool idea and i wanted to know how a how has it been dming in that because i mean dming for like all new players every time are you crazy (laughs) (laughs) is my first question Uh, and then the second question just sort of like how is that experience because it's um i I must confess i haven't uh, caught up completely but i'm really excited to to listen to oh no worries yeah it's uh, only um two campaign episodes are out at this point um because it's uh, two campaign episodes a month and two like kind of talkbacks a month. Uh, that was the pace I could handle as a new DM <laughs> and like editing the podcast and stuff. So the experience has been really cool because I've wanted to DM for a really long time, but have found it so daunting. And, you know, d- even for a person who like plays D and D as much as I do, I feel like it can be scary to to break into the DMing side of things, and also just like. Uh, was a little nervous about doing it just because uh, it is kind of a, a, a very public way to fail <laughs> if you, or, you know, show like, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to show everyone how, how to, I'm learning how to ride a bike right now. And it's embarrassing. You know? um, Welcome to my live stream, everyone. Yeah. I'll be uh, learning how to dive. Um, may barely flop a few times. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like if you've like shown yourself doing something, 
like an okay job of something and it show it's just weird to show yourself maybe being a bit of a novice at something uh and and so like that was kind of a thing that i was i wanted to like dm more for friends before i got into it and i only did it like maybe twice before actually doing the podcast so uh you know podcasts are nice in that like it it is a little more friendly to it rather than like doing a live stream or something which can yeah. be a little harder i feel like to uh you can because if i stop and like yeah, yeah like exactly. look up a rule or whatever uh <laughs> but the experience has been very fun if nerve-wracking luckily I haven't gotten to the point of like new a new bring in a new cast yet because yeah the idea is like the 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 heroes rotate and uh still we i think i have about two episodes left with the first crew of mike trap emily axford and siobhan thompson it's been really fun so far but i i think the idea came about just because like I don't know. I have, I have so many friends I'd like to play D and D with, and it's mm. a little hard to like lock in, you know, in the way that we do for dimension 20 or nad pod, like mm. these people are around and dedicated to this and don't have other stuff going on that kind of takes over the priority of it, uh, that, that it's kind of a big ask. And so like, mm. I could, it's, it's much easier to ask people to like commit to like, I don't know, a couple of episodes and, mm. and that, that felt like a fun way to, to structure it and make it doable for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I totally respect that. Cause DMing is, is very, we talked about it all the show all the time on this show about how uh, daunting it can be. And, um, uh, I, am yeah, a hundred percent there yeah. <laughs> with, with that one. And we are recently discovered the, uh, trials of live streaming a show and being like, <laughs> Oh boy, oh boy. you're watching. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> strap in. Like um, yeah. the the podcasts are much nicer because I give it to my the my partner who produces the show, and I go, "You listen and tell me the bits I should take out." And then right. you know, she just goes, "Yeah, it's perfect now." You know, <laughs> um, like such as calling one of your co-hosts superfluous because you think uh, <laughs> like, pretty uh, in, in, so... ingrained in there. It's, it'll be a little hard to edit it out at this point. Yeah, 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 yeah at this point. But the thing is, Jeremy would have brought it back at some point because that's the thing that Jeremy likes to do is if I make a mistake, he makes sure to call it back as many times as possible during the show so that I can't cut it out. <laughs> What's funny is you got to embrace never... it. Yeah, I, yeah. It, it, the thing is, I never consciously think of like he's not going to be able to edit it now. It's always like that was funny. I'm going to reference it again. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> and it's just like I'm just casually creating a situation where now Jeff is like, well, now I can't take it out. Uh, <laughs> but it's true. You gotta. I feel like you gotta lean in. Like if you're gonna skid out, just lean into it and make it look like mm-hmm. it was intentional. Yeah, just style it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. I, I, I don't know about uh, you guys and sort of slightly away from D&D, I guess, if I if I could be permitted. I'd love to like talk a bit about College Humor as well, because sure. I've been watching a lot of College Humor videos recently. I think I messaged you because Jeremy sent me the um, um, uh, the uh, Am I Asian Enough uh, sketch, yes. uh, which is just honestly so fantastic. And as someone who is uh, very mixed race, I was like... I feel so heard by this sketch. <laughs> good, <laughs> like, good. I was like there like, oh yes. Um, one of my favorite, uh, I, I will share, I, I will share that story at another point. Uh, uh, but I would love to just talk to you about creating those sketches. Like, um, is it a process of you coming forward with an idea and having, uh, then sort of getting people, other people to workshop it? Or is it more of a, a wholly collaborative process? So the, the way that, 
uh, sketch writing at College Humor would work for the the writers would be that Mondays would be a pitch day. We'd come in around, we come in in the afternoon with about like five ideas, and Trap, who was the head writer at the time, I think, uh, we we would all pitch five ideas and and you know just kind of discuss them as we went uh and you know like people would say like i like that but you know like what about this part of it and like kind of like fine-tune it or like what if it was like this spin on your original idea and like you know sometimes elevated or like the conversation would lead to a new idea that's maybe better uh so we just kind of like workshop it in a in a meeting on mondays and then Mm -hmm. at the end of that day you'd get assigned two sketches to write and it would be some version of the things you talked about, or if there was like maybe some kind of like larger, like a uh, holiday kind of thing that someone wanted to, to write it, that the college humor wanted to sketch for that would maybe be assigned to someone else. And, and then for, for the whole week on top of like being in sketches and helping with edits and other things, uh, you would write those two sketch ideas. Uh, and we have a meeting on Thursday or Friday where we'd bring in the sketches and we'd all, read them together and then pitch on them. And then on the following Monday, you would uh, turn in a revised draft. So that would be the writing process every week working there. And I think for are you, the, are you Asian enough sketch? That was an idea that trap pitched and he, you know, it was very funny. Cause like I was the only other Asian writer at the time. And he was like, is this an idea? And I was like, yes, yes, (laughs) Yes, that's an idea. And uh, we we kind of like went through. Yeah, it was just a very organic idea that like uh, was very cathartic and fun to write uh, that we had just a well of specifics for immediately on hand. So that's always that's always fun. Yeah. Yeah. I I honestly was like bailed over laughing at that one. Um, And the story that I was going to tell is basically uh, it was the first term, the first time I'd ever, ever used a certain word, which you don't normally use, which um, uh, when referring to a black person. And I basically had heard it when I was on the playground when I was like 10 or something. Uh-huh. And one of my friends had said, oh, you o- only black person can say that to a black person. It's time we thank this week's sponsor, Scent Air. Halflings, let me ask you a question. Do any of you suffer from nose blindness or did you suffer from nose blindness? Because I used to until my wife uh, introduced me to what you could do with a space if you made it smell, you know, a little bit better. Scent Air has over 30 years of experience scenting homes, stores, event spaces and beyond. And now you can shop online and scent the mood of your home or business. Scent Air diffusers are sleek and fill your space with a vivid and subtle fragrance for up to 300 hours. Just imagine filling your home with the smell of fresh linen. Just imagine filling your home with the smell of fresh linen sheets for 300 hours. The Scent Air app also lets you schedule your fragrance and control the intensity right from your phone. Scent Air is available online in the US, Canada, and now in the UK and France. And now you may be thinking to me, well, maybe do I need this? Do I need this? Let me throw out something for you. Imagine scenting your D&D spaces. You've got a crew coming over and you really want to get them into the mood. So you light your candles, you get your snacks ready. And then what do you do? You fill the room with a gorgeous scent that is so evocative of the world that they're going to be in. Perhaps your party is going to explore a new and incredible marketplace. And so you fill the air with Tuscan orange scent or even pink grapefruit or sun shower. 
Or maybe they're going to a sophisticated party and so you fill the air with a dark vanilla pomelo scent. Or perhaps it's a classic pirate-themed adventure and so you fill the air with an ocean scent. Or island breeze. This year, try luxury home fragrance trusted by pros by going to scentair.com and using the promo code HALFLINGS for 25% off your first order. That's HALFLINGS for 25% off your first order. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Mm. And so I was like, oh, okay, fine. And so my uncle that weekend or something had a, a friend round who was a very, very black man. And I walked in and was like, ah, oh, I know how to greet this person and said it. And I remember <laughs> the feeling I have never I don't think I've ever experienced it since, but my entire being fell through my ass as I suddenly panicked that I had really made a mistake because this guy, this 10-year-old kid walked through the door and was like, what's up? And, and was just like, whoa, like what just happened? Oh my God. And my uncle and my auntie were sat there like, <gasps> yeah, just oh, not knowing no. what was happening and luckily this guy i mean totally was just like hey what's up and like you know properly <laughs> kind of played it you know it was re super super lovely about it oh, but it's become man. like a seminal moment in my life where i was like <laughs> "Ooh, boy <laughs> like, i need to you know and that was a and that and it, it caused this whole thing and actually that story led me to write a uh i wrote a stand my foot the one and only stand-up thing i've ever done in my life was at secondary school and the whole title of that thing was am i black enough and it was mm. all inspired by that like that one interaction of being like should i have said that like was that yeah. okay i mean in hindsight as an adult i'm like definitely not like if, <laughs> if a 10 year old came up to me and shouted that at me in the street i'd be like not okay no. like, <laughs> yeah. um but but like it was a very uh and yeah and literally hearing that sketch i was like oh other people do stuff like that too thank god like it's not yeah. just me <laughs> i mean there's there's not a great like uh, no when you when you're mixed race there's not like a mixed race bible they hand you yeah, or, yeah. Or even a thing be. that my parents thought of ever, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah. hi, I've never really thought about that experience. I'm sure is what uh, both my parents thought. Um, yeah, it's wild. Uh, yeah, it's, but it's I, you know, I was fortunate enough to like when I moved to LA. My first job, well, my first job moving to LA was working on a, a movie my brother-in-law produced and wrote where I met Jordan Peele and from there I, I, after I moved to LA became like a, a PA on Key and Peele as it was being made. And like, you know, it was like, I don't know what this show is. I'll, I'll I'm just, uh, you know, like luckily I have a job and I moved here <laughs> and, and became like his assistant and like worked for him for many years. And so it was like a really great uh, introduction to exploring that uh, you know uh, mm. their their mixed race identity and and just mm. like just finding sketch comedy ideas out of those experiences was it was very fun to you know learn by osmosis by just working on that show mm. um and yeah so yeah. what you're saying is that you taught jordan peele uh everything 
Like you, yeah. you, you t- showed them how to make sketches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As a PA, they listened to me a lot yeah. about my ideas. Yeah, yeah. It was but, me, Jordan, Keegan in the room, just hashing out back. ideas. You know? Really? Just, and I was like, uh, what I, about like if you had a guy who was dating a girl, and then there was a teacup, and we you could call it get out. Yeah. Yes. You know, my dad is in Get Out. He's the one Japanese guy in the movie. Uh, Ooh, whoa. No awesome. Yeah. Woohoo. Yeah. <laughs> they shot the movie in Alabama, where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And Jordan was like, Would your dad want to do it? And it was a funny scenario because, like, there's no Japanese people in Alabama. And uh, <laughs> and so that script has a Japanese person. He was oh. like, I don't know. I met your dad. He seemed cool. Would he want to do it? And I was like, He's not <laughs> an actor, but uh, okay. <laughs> okay. And, um, <laughs> He did it, and it was fun, and it's just That's a very it. fun thing to see. Yeah, <laughs> that is incredible. I am going to go and immediately watch Get Out. <laughs> like, Got it. Yeah, that yeah. is so cool. As if I needed any other reason to watch that movie. <laughs> well, other than the fact it gives me genuine heart palpitations every time I watch it, because oh, like, this yeah. is the most terrifying experience I could possibly imagine. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, oh, that that is. That is awesome. Yeah. That was awesome. Um, I, I wanted uh, to ask, um, mm. Zach, how has, uh, you were talking about writing for College Humor. How mm-hmm. would you compare that to, like, say, writing for uh, when you're planning, like, a D&D session? Like, as a DM, how has how mm. has that adjustment period, like, how has that been? So, writing as a DM has been a very big adjustment for me, because that feels very different in my head. Uh, it feels more, you know, like, I don't know, like writing, uh, a, like a novel or something, right? Like, I feel like, uh, I feel like I'm not as far as improvising goes, like I have a lot of training doing that for, for like live comedy, but a, a skill that I've always felt like I'm bad at is just continuously describing something, uh, <laughs> you know, coming up with the the like language that like really paints a picture. I feel like that's tough. And, and so that's been my biggest adjustment because like in sketch writing, I feel like you really want to be really, really concise. And as far as uh, DMing goes, it's maybe, yeah, there are things you want to be concise about, but the volume of writing is way, way bigger. And like, (laughs) yeah. Uh, and 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 just generally like planning encounters and stuff like that that is tough for me but like i also do feel like yeah maybe like coming up with characters is very similar to sketch writing and 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 like the kind of character creation process we've talked earlier could be applied to sketches in some way like you know talking about gorgug being like you know flipping that one thing that's like i feel like a big facet of of sketch writing is um yeah like or like improv uh, is finding the game of the scene or the game of something uh, is to use UCB's term, uh, which is like, yeah, what is, what is the one thing that is like the repeatable joke of it? And that, Mm. and like Gorgug's repeatable joke is that he, despite being this big, powerful, you know, barbarian is uncomfortable with his own skin and, and a little (laughs) like awkward. And, and that's, you know, what were the like, the the comedic bell to ring really and so like you can apply that to to characters as well but as far as the literal writing goes i feel like that's 
the difference is the minimalist versus the maximalist feeling of them both. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like the sheer yeah. volume of how much you have to now come up with. And then yeah. like if and like I guess in improv, uh, I've ha- I haven't had like UCB training, but from what I understand, you always are counting on your partners to kind of like if you run into a spot where you're like, ah, the partner can jump in and be like, aha, whereas like, yes. DMing. It's just you. You're the man it's on the you. wire with the pole walking like along there, and everybody else is just sitting there with popcorn watching. And so, like, and sometimes like, throwing popcorn at you, yeah, right? Like, yeah. actively trying to like knock you off or whatever. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Like, that is a good point. I feel like, yeah, in imp- in improv, yeah, there's a lot of that is very collaborative about it, and I guess D and D as well, but like. As far as the world goes and the sessions themselves, so much of that is on the DM's shoulders. And 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 I really felt like I struggle with, you know, buying I, I have so many D D books now. And I look at them and, and like the ones that are basically uh module-ish, I read through those and I'm like, this feels like a different language. I can't mm-hmm. I can't really make heads or tails how to make something like this a session, you know uh so yeah it's just like feels like learning how to code or something you know like uh, <laughs> your computers or something you know like yeah it's, yeah, it's like learning a new language almost yeah 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 it, it it's really funny actually we were having a discussion uh on i think we were, it might have even been off air uh the three of us were having a discussion about we were talking about d20 and um uh, we were saying about how we're now doing live shows and how uh, like things like pacing and all these kinds of things mm. are like something we have to consider now where normally in our home games, it's just like, I don't care what we get up to. We get up to where we get up to. Yeah. Um, and we were sort of saying that how like our kind of like core actor training is all three of us are, like kind of very classically trained actors uh, who've done a little bit of improv, but not a lot mm-hmm. means that we have like this need to like find every morsel in a scene uh, and like really dig into it and keep going and going and going and going. And do you know what I mean? Yeah. Versus like on D20, you guys just like the scenes are just like, pop, 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 they zip and then you move on. And I'm like, man there's so much more stuff that i would have to go into there like there was, you know why were the curtains in there blue do you know what i mean like, right, brennan's, right. brennan's yeah. got to be telling me something yeah. yeah um and i was just interested how that has translated for you your experience of do- doing that ucb training and that improv training uh, again going into playing both in i guess in home games and in uh in sort of ones where you're being recorded and you've got to got to hit certain notes i guess totally yeah when you're in a, doing a home game you're like getting snacks you're hanging out you're like let's just mm. like explore this room for three hours or whatever and that's <laughs> so fun and and it's but like when you're doing in D uh, as entertainment it has to be a show as well and mm. and you know certain shows like critical role or whatever like they do get away with like fully exploring stuff just because their episodes are like four hours long yeah yeah. And so that that is like they've they've established this this format where they can do that. But when when ours are, you know, a little more about like, yeah, the comedy of it and that that is like a big focus of it. Going back to like the improv stuff, you know, in improv, yeah, you know when a scene has gone on for too long. <laughs> and you know when yeah, that that scene yeah. needs to, to be done. Uh, especially the live audience when people are like you guys this isn't funny anymore (laughs) this isn't funny anymore I feel like with acting it's like 
It's yeah. not a scene unless someone's crying. Like that's yes. like that's my drama school training. Like, unless someone's broken down and is like, "What is the meaning of life?" Then you haven't dug far enough. Yeah, yeah. Like, guys, we're doing the odd couple. Why are we? Having- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like we just need John Wright in the room with a little two sticks, going, "Is there more?" Is there and then more? we'll be fine, Jasper. Like just clowning yeah, that, in the wow. room. Yeah, John Wright wow. was our clowning teacher oh, who literally God, had these little that. clackers and was just like, "Come oh. on, more, more!" Like it was further. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Brutal. Push it further and then too far. Whoa, too far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, in our yeah, so it's like, that, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, uh, uh, please, please continue. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all I was going to say was speaking of what Jasper was saying in our last episode, we had like a five minute talk about what Jasper's character's spectral dog was like, <laughs> like just while they were resting like we had like it was like a full on like diversion about this dog yeah. trying to climb a tree and like floating yeah. to the top and then we got stuck on like this idea that it was just floating in midair like like, like glitching video game, of the tree. yeah video game idling animation just like standing there Aww. and it was this whole thing. <laughs> it was, it was like, so long this has nothing well, to do with anything else we're yeah. doing well that's also like so important in some ways to like flesh out flesh out uh no pun intended for this ghost dog i guess uh <laughs> it's the opposite of a pun i guess uh the, the you want to you want to flavor that stuff and dig into that stuff as well because like when something happens and like you know uh not saying this would happen but like someone don't kill my dog zach don't kill my dog (laughs) kills your ghost dog you know that experience informs the 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 feelings around it you know like uh absolutely it makes it feel realer yeah the more time we spend with the ghost dog the more it'll hurt when i kill it Oh, don't you dare. Oh, God. Please don't. I mean, it's a, it's the, it's it's just a it's just a reskinned hound of ill omen. So yeah, so he can summon it. It's, it's okay if he cool. does. Like, he'll he'll okay. just come back. Yeah, he, he'll just come back. Okay. Good, um, good. Uh, but it's it's fascinating actually. Just thinking about what you were saying then about kind of uh, improv and the nature of improv versus the nature of like DMing. I mm. feel like it's almost the exact opposite in some in some instances because whilst obviously your players there is a a rule set and everything generally your players are doing whatever they can to circumvent whatever you have done or at least that's my experience in the sense that like your players want to try and find the quickest and easiest way to kill your bad guy instead of doing the kind of i feel like the improv version would be like yes and i strike with my sword and then yes and then i strike back whereas in D, it's like no no no, no. i'm gonna use this random one item that i've got and it's gonna break the entire thing that you've planned and you're just like, like oh no <laughs> But that that is like, yeah, Which it's funny. Great. Yeah, it is funny to to see how they go go get around your plans. Mm. I my what so far in this podcast, like it's been so on the rails. I felt like I've tried to make it so on the rails, just because if it's off the rails, I really don't know what I would do at all. <laughs> and so, uh, people have been players have been kind enough not to fully blow up my shit so far <laughs> so, it'll uh, come it'll come zach don't you i worry. know i know uh <laughs> but like they yeah like i think that that is luckily part of D is like yeah that is part of the fun is like when they 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 womp you it's good mm. entertainment as well oh, it's, yeah. it's yeah no it's brilliant it's brilliant there's nothing better than uh brennan's face when he's like oh 
um, <laughs> well, let's get out the box of doom, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like that's like those are the best moments, you know. So I, yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, one thing that we always do on this show, uh, we always ask our guests for a tale from the table. Uh, this can be anything. It could be a, a something that you stream, something that's out there, like on D twenty or or, or, or Nadpod or whatever. Or it can be something from your home game. It can be something. Uh, just uh, the only thing we usually ask is that it's something ridiculous, funny, chaotic. More chaotic, the better, generally. <laughs> but just anything that like springs to your mind. Um, that that yeah, that you you love whatever. We'd love to. Gosh. Love to hear it. Okay, two things spring to my mind. One's kind of quicker. I guess they're both pretty quick, but it doesn't um, have to be quick. You could take as much time as you for want. For sure. <laughs> um, the the most chaotic in a completely unhelpful, off the rails kind of way. Not even as characters, but as people. Moment <laughs> I think I've ever experienced at a table was. When Allie and I, God, some I forget what season of Dimension 20 it was. Someone posted a clip of it and I retweeted it recently. Oh, but, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, good, good. Yeah, yeah. Um, Siobhan was trying to think of the, the name. It was in the live season. It, I think, wasn't it in the yes. live season of uh, I think Fantasy so. High Season 2? Or sophomore year? Well, you know what? I don't think it was because I remember Trap reviewing it, which he had to do as his job oh, okay. for the the film ones. It was but it was a season, I. yes, where like, uh, <laughs> Siobhan was trying to think of this character's name off of uh, something Doolittle, and it was from My Fair Lady. But she was she was just like struggling to come up with the name, and I just made a joke of uh, like, oh, Doctor Doolittle, and then Allie just started laughing at that and we're not in this scene that's happening at all we're just kind of sitting there and mm-hmm. Allie is just laughing at that idea of dr doolittle and then and and trying to quote dr doolittle says i can see my own dick quoting eddie murphy not as dr doolittle but as the nutty professor <laughs> And so, like, this other D&D scene is happening, and you can see my face, like, go, like, what? And, like, us <laughs> quietly laughing, like, and I'm laughing my ass off, and I'm trying to explain to them from across the table, that's the wrong movie. But I don't want to, you know, like, trying to just not make this be the focus, but we are literally quietly crying with laughter while Siobhan <laughs> is doing a different scene uh, at just the amount of mistakes that (laughs) took to get there uh that was one that you can see online uh that really really makes me laugh so glorious but i don't know if they ever talked about this uh, if uh if brennan talked about this on this pod but um the home game that we do we do a a yearly trip to big bear or lake arrowhead and you know get out of la and go to like a cool cabin in the woods in the snow and like kind of the closest thing to snow in la uh and and just do like a weekend dnd getaway and it's so fun and you know it's just like you know the the glory of of home games of just like eating a bunch of food and you know uh you know having a couple drinks and just chilling out and just having a fire and just really just having fun with that but Brennan tried to create this encounter. I think it's basically a year ago uh, now where he was trying to make our characters run away 
uh, make it just too overwhelming <laughs> that we have, would have to, to run. And we were all, all of our characters like get ambushed on a pier by literally 40 plus drag, uh, vampire spawn. And we were like, I think we're level 10 or something like that. Or no, I think we're level nine. And so like all of those things, like at the start of the fight, we're like fighting them. And like it takes three, four rounds before we kill any of them. Cause they all have like 80 or so HP. And like, we all like really lock in, in this way, right? Like I'm thinking we have to run, but uh, Murph, I remember Murph being like, no, no, we got this. We can, if we get him back up and do this and then get our mounts in there. And uh, we, uh, Travis has a horn of blasting so we can do AOE damage to all of these guys. And uh, we really just like metagamed it and just (laughs) killed what is supposed to be like quadruple deadly encounter <laughs> killed everything uh, and got out of there before like these like, you know, legendary vampires got there. And it was so funny to watch. There's also like videos of this on, I think Instagram of us like screaming at Brennan, like we got you. Fuck you. you know, just like really like giving him a hard time while he's like, Oh no. Cause he calculated the experience that we need, that we, oh, that we got snap. from that. And we got enough experience to level twice. And <laughs> I think in a, in a campaign where we have leveled like once every eight months, maybe, you know, like, or, you know, it's been a while wow. since we leveled up. We leveled up twice, and we were we were nice enough to him that we were like, "We'll take a level and a half." But uh, <laughs> it was so funny. That Just, is, yeah. You introduced grinding into DNA. Yeah. I love it. Like that's just given me a fabulous idea. In our campaign, we just left a bunch of crocodiles like mid battle. I'm thinking we go back there. We just take out all just these crocodiles, get crocodile. ourselves just grind, just grind and get, get get it done. You know, just get it, get those levels up. Yeah. It is so funny because it's such bad. Like it is bad storytelling to grind <laughs> yes, <laughs> but, but it's also like i want to level up i want to get cool abilities yeah, it's, it's effective yeah. you actually just spent so long on that pier killing vampire spawn you ended up being then strong enough by the end of the battle to face the actual legendary vampires as well yeah and like, then the, the, like the, the next fight we had was against all these these like more really really powerful ancient vampires and we smoked them too. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> it's like uh, before, is... before chasing after the, the Urukai to try and save Mary and Pippin, Legolas and Gimli and Aragorn are like, we gotta, guys, we gotta kill some boars first. Like just go yeah, we gotta hunt. kill all these spiders the first. Yeah, yeah we yeah, gotta yeah, grind yeah. for XP here in this forest for a few months. And then we'll chase and them then, down. Then we'll go get them. Yeah, There's like a spring we can get our health and uh, magic back from. So let's just sit <laughs> camp here. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's, that is so funny. That is so funny. I love the fact that you just openly like, okay, we're metagaming here. Uh, yeah. Let's kill these things. <laughs> like, I, like, it was like, shamedly. I love it. <laughs> Sorry, Brennan. Yeah. Sorry, Brennan. <laughs> I can imagine, I can literally picture Brennan's face as well. Just being like, no. Him just doing the XP calculations was like, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> well, that's a good lesson to all DMs. Like don't dangle like don't dangle temptation in your players way because they will take it. Like they will do it. Like if they if, 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 if there's a possibility, they really will take it. Yeah. Um 
Oh man, that is that is really really glorious. That is really really glorious. Um, I was wondering whether perhaps now would be a good time, uh, Jeremy, to oh, yes. uh, do a little uh, do a little shout out. Maybe. Yes, uh, I, I I talked to Zach about it just before the stream. Uh, one of my best friends in the world is a huge fan of not only Dimension Twenty uh, and Nadpod, but also specifically of Zach himself. Uh, so, Zach, if you could please give a little shout out to my friend, Leo, uh, who will be listening to this at some point in the future. I do not know when. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Would be happy to. Uh, what up, Leo? Uh, thanks for watching uh, Dimension 20 and Adpod and listening to that. And um, uh, I uh, am I'm your biggest fan. Uh, I don't know if that's I, I don't know how to I could express that other than just say that that's true. I, I have a I, you can't see it. There's a big poster of you right here above my mm. above my desk. So he did show it to up? us. It's a great yeah. it's a great it's a, honestly it's a great uh, poster of you. Uh, Hand drawn. Yeah. Really yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so, Very you know, uh, I could show that to you at a later date. Um, uh, it's real. Mm. <laughs> yeah it's real uh, definitely real certified we'll be yeah. posting the photo on our twitter page at some point yes yes, yes, yes. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um that's glorious thank you, so thank you zach that's awesome <laughs> she's never gonna see this coming it's gonna be great <laughs> first she doesn't know we're interviewing you so when that pops up she's gonna be like <gasps> and then when she listens to the episode itself it's just, yeah wow she's going to ascend to a, a higher whole... plane of existence <laughs> it's like, it's it's very funny actually i don't know if you've ever experienced this zach but like i had one of my i was on the phone to one of my best friends today uh we were talking about stuff and um he just randomly turned around and was like yeah it's a weird thing for me because like i'm talking to you now but i'm also like a really i'm like a genuinely big fan of your podcast and it's weird to me that people like uh, enjoy something that you do so much to call themselves like a fan of it. It's like, it's, I'm yeah. finding that concept strange. It's um, weird. It's great. Yeah. But you know, it's awesome. one of my yeah. friends was like, I'm a fan of yours now. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, what? That's how I feel about uh, uh, like NADPOD, which I have been on, been fortunate enough to be on a couple times, but like, I just listened to that podcast. Uh, and they are my close friends. It, it, it is funny to, yeah, like like what your friend will do. Like I listened to like one of those, you know, Brennan's, uh, uh, what's it called? Not not Adventuring Party, Adventuring, Adventuring Academy, Academy. The, Adventuring the, Academy yeah. the DM conversations one, the one that he did with, with Murph where uh, I was just listening to it and they bring up a, a point in, in uh, our home game where I, I really fucked up specifically me so as a fan and like wanting to hear their perspective just listening to it and then they get to a point where i as a player just brutally messed up a situation <laughs> and was like hey wait what what's happening hey. Is this- i didn't give am you I consent getting- to talk about this in public am i getting called out on a show oh this sucks can't believe you've this- done this to me <laughs> i'm ruined uh, it's also weird. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, Zach, but as like a fan of like Dimension Twenty and stuff, when I talk to cast members from that, like like you or Lou or Brennan, there's like a surreal thing that happens where I see like 
Lou in the same room that he does adventuring party in and I see Amathar's sword behind him and he's talking to me but like, these are all things that I associate with me listening to stuff and now I'm t- I'm in the show talking to the person in the show and I don't <laughs> yeah. understand how this is happening and I'm like uh, what like I'm kind of like, I, have to, yeah. I have to recalibrate reality to be like oh no this it's is- like going to a restaurant you see on a TV show like yes yeah. exactly like, what it's like. like that's exactly what it's Whoa, like and like place. you've imagined tasting that food but now yeah. like you're actually tasting that food yeah. like it's weird yeah like it's so it's so, it's totally weird um i mean we had like the that to the nth degree when brennan literally started interviewing us in the middle of the <laughs> oh, episode was he was just like i'm just gonna flip this around and ask you guys some questions and we were like <laughs> what, what? <laughs> that's fine but yeah, yeah um uh, but honestly, so Zach, thank you so much for being here. This has been uh, this has been amazing. I've, of course, it's been this is so fun to talk to you. Um, and I uh, I can't wait to listen to some more um, of the Rota- Rotating Heroes podcast and uh, just more stuff that you've got. I haven't started watching Unsleeping City yet, and so I've been oh, desperately yeah. trying to avoid Unsleeping City two spoilers. Oh, it's totally. a whole thing. Like, mm. honestly, the biggest piece of advice, if anybody, if you want to start a podcast, but you like podcasts, don't start a podcast because then you won't listen to <laughs> other podcasts. You don't have yeah, time. Truly. You have to listen to your own and edit that all you the time. You have to listen to your own so much. Oh, it's horrible. I can tell you every episode of Rotating Heroes podcast, I have to listen to it like five to six times. And yep. it's like... Yep. miserable by the end I, but I, also great yeah i, I know, I, know <laughs> I mean it's exactly. incredible but yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm so i'm very grateful for this opportunity but at the same time i'm so sick of the sound of my own voice totally. <laughs> um, if i had to hear take out more of my own arms <laughs> oh, do you know what there was one episode of this podcast right where I I mentioned uh, the fact that I was like, oh, well, I produce the show so I can take out all the ums and et cetera. And so therefore I can sound like the best podcast host in the world. And then I'm not kidding. The set, uh, as the sentence after that sentence I said on the show, I was like, um, uh, um, uh, and I was just like, and because I'd mentioned it, it was like grating my, I was like, stop, um, ah. It's like nails on a chalkboard for yourself. It really, yeah. it really, like, honestly, when you're doing it don't draw attention to any weird thing that you do because it will be all that you hear oh. like i i know it's i know no no phrases that i randomly say all the time i know like little idiosyncrasies oh it's it's brutal yeah. to know yourself that well now it's not okay like no one should know themselves this well <laughs> you'll find out things that you don't want to know <laughs> Uh. <laughs> oh dear um but yes uh as we always do and as still seems just ridiculous uh if anyone who has been living under a complete rock woke up outside of that rock and found three back halflings and doesn't know who you are zach where can we find all of your stuff uh online where can we find you and follow you uh and share in, in all the goodness that is zach Oyama? oh definitely well I will say first and foremost, uh, the the project that I have been working the most on myself and is like my most uh, personal labor of love is the Rotating Heroes podcast, which is on patreon.com slash rotating heroes pod. Uh, I'm also doing you can also find uh, a preview of that monthly on NADPod's uh, feed. Uh, if you, you know, I understandably don't want to pay for it. <laughs> 
so but so like once a month on nadpot for for the, this first arc at least uh you'll find the first episode already up on their feed another episode dropping this december and a few more episodes later on uh but outside of that yeah i'm also on nadpod and then you know dimension 20 as well and on all social media stuff uh at zakoyama z-a-c-o-y-a-m-a on on twitter instagram even tiktok uh (laughs) so yeah that's 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 me in a nutshell yeah uh, we have yet to venture onto TikTok. I feel scared. And, uh, I made three uh, TikToks and I feel like I'm basically done. <laughs> cool, cool. I feel like that'll be what we do. It'll be like, oh, we made that one video and then, you know, that's it. We're done now. Bye. Yeah. Bye, TikTok. <laughs> yeah. I guess I also stream on Twitch a little bit, but I, I've been doing it less since I started the podcast. So. Yes, that yeah. is that everything. Totally everything is less when you start a podcast. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> everything is less. Um, uh, but thank you so much for being on. This has been so much fun. Um, hopefully, we'll get a chance to talk to you again in the future because this has been great. And um, I hope that all of you at home have enjoyed listening to this episode of Three Black Halflings. Um, we will see you next week. So long, so long Shire, Shire folk. folk. So long, Shire folk. Squee. So long, Shire folk. <laughs> <laughs>